You're listening to Leading Innovation at Work, the Future of Business podcast with your host, Lori Rowlandson. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Leading Innovation at Work. Today's guest is Demarcus Means Sr. Thank you so much for joining us today, Demarcus. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Lori. Oh, we're so delighted to have you. So let me do a little bit of a setup. Demarcus, I'll ask you to introduce yourself in a second in your in your own words, but I just want to share a little bit about how Demarcus and I, our, our paths crossed. And that was really through the organization of IFMA, the International Facilities Management Association. Uh, we're both involved with that organization. And selfishly, I've been really wanting to have a young leader speak on the podcast for a while. Uh, I think it's really great to hear the perspective of somebody who's just been through the university process related to facilities management. So I'd love to hear a little bit more around your perspective, uh, around you know your perception of FM and how you ended up here. But before we get to those questions, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your background. Like, so you've chosen the field of FM. You've just graduated from university. Congratulations, by the way. That is a big life milestone. Thank you so much. How did you get to this point in your life? And, and how did you choose facilities management as a discipline that you wanted to go to school for? Yeah, definitely. Well, I can start with really saying my childhood or my upbringing really led me to this point. Growing up in Dallas, Texas, Dallas was a large metroplex. So I would consider it a big city with big buildings. And I really wanted to know all I could about them. Um, so immediately after living in Dallas and traveling some parts around the world, because I played soccer, I knew I wanted to move to Pensacola, Florida to graduate high school and attend Florida A&M University. I moved to Pensacola with my other grandmother after previously being raised by my mother's mother. And I graduated high school, which was something statistically they said might have never happened for me but I immediately knew I wanted to be an architect or do something around buildings. I just love how they worked, how they made the cities come together and how they really just made a community and an entire township. Um, and you can not do any of that without buildings, right? Each, every, each and every building really made up the city. And that's something that just excited me. It got me going in the morning and I knew that's something I could do for the rest of my life. I think they kind of say, if you find something that you love to do every day, it won't feel like work. Um, so, I love the architecture. I love drafting. I did drafting academies, but a little bit beyond that, um, I'm a father now. So I have a six-year-old son. He recently turned seven last month and he's just exciting. Um, he challenges me, he asks questions and it made me ask questions. And it makes me really want to better, better myself, which I've done recently. Uh, that's that's a wonderful journey and and you know, I totally agree with you about the passion and love for the built environment and buildings. And maybe more so in 2020, we've spent our, our life indoors more than we ever have as a, as a species, you know, but everything does happen in buildings. And I think it's such an interesting profession as we get more into technology and technology enabled buildings. I do think that the built environment plays a lot in um, providing nodes of information that work together in a system and a city. So if you love architecture and buildings and infrastructure, Demarcus, I think we're only at the beginning of a really amazing journey in our entire profession. And in a way, I'm like I'm at the end of my 
at my career, you're just at the beginning. And I, I have to feel a little bit jealous of you because you're about to embark on one of the most exciting times in our profession as we ingrain technology, sustainability, and experience in, into our profession. But I'd like to hear a little bit more about facilities management. Like, did you have a perception, specifically facilities management is an interesting choice within the wide spectrum of career paths that you could pick around the built environment. You mentioned a few of them, right? You could be an architect, you could be an engineer, you could be a wide spectrum of things. Could you just tell us a little bit about why you chose facilities management? Like what about that field did you find so appealing? I think it takes me back to my childhood when I talked about growing up with my grandmother in Texas, my mother's mother, and my mother, as soon as she graduated college and moved back to Dallas, she started her own business that I was very involved with. So it taught me a lot of those business skills and the nuance of business that is really important. And when I got, when I found myself at the university level, enrolled in the School of Architecture and kind of going through that process, not only myself realized that not only did I feel out of place, but I felt like my skill sets were just more closely aligned with business. And I really knew it when my classmates said, Demarcus, that last presentation sounded like a pitch. And you had your drawings and your drafts. And of course, my architecture teachers were very um, strict and gave a lot of critique, but I was ready for it. And I always had a response to counter why I thought the way I thought. And they were impressed with that. But my students, my colleagues were so impressed with it that they just suggested I may try the B school and I should be very successful in a B-School career. And I haven't given it much thought till um, one of my professors in the School of Architecture mentioned a new program coming and it was facilities management. And it's, it was housed in the School of Business. So you know what I did next. I transferred over to the School of Business. I got started and recently graduated with business administration, majoring in facilities management. That's a fantastic journey. And so since you made that choice, I mean, you had a pretty solid understanding before you came into it, but was there anything that you learned along the journey that really surprised you that you didn't expect? Yeah, I can say the people skills, the ability to have those soft skills is something I was very surprised about um, when it comes to managing a facility. Um, they always talked about the teams and, you know, it's one thing to be able to manage the heart, you know, what should I reorder? What should I have my technicians doing day by day? But building a relationship with those technicians, I think it's something that's very hard to do. And in college, especially the School of Business, I learned those soft skills, which I think make you a better leader overall. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think more and more as organizations are competing for talent, corporate culture or company culture is very important. And that all starts with individuals. That's not a vision chart above the photocopier, right? you create culture with your behavior. And certainly what you've described really emulates that. And you know, if you can create a culture where people want to work, they enjoy working, that shines through with your customers as well. And I think that's why we hear a lot about employee experience. And you know, I think one of the things to your point that has come to light in the last couple of years is the connectivity between employee experience, more of an HR, what was traditionally viewed as an HR concept into the frontline of facilities managers. So we're seeing facilities managers getting Disney training or being an extension of that culture, even if they work for a different company, if they're working within the building of, of their clients, they have to emulate that culture and be part of that experience because they're part of that culture ecosystem. 
I love what you said because we are all contributors of the culture at work for sure. Um, you know, I, I love to hear your, I love to hear that fire inside of you around leadership and making your life better and moving on to bigger things. And, you know, one of the things you can, you can see in yourself just through your work history and just your life choices that you've taken, that you have that fire inside of you, that leadership fire. Well, one of the examples that, uh, of uh, one of the uh, evidence points of that fire is your participation with the IFMA Global Projects. And I'm wondering if maybe you could just tell us, uh, just take a few minutes to tell us about your global project and how you decided to get involved, who was on your team, what did you decide to talk about and, and what was the outcome? Sure, I can um, shed a little light on that. I think I really have to start with saying just how I came across IFMA and I found it pertinent that I joined an organization that was aligned with my career and allowed me the exposure to be around professionals who knew more than I did, quite honestly, and that I could learn more from um, than I knew when I started. So that was my initial you know, uh, reasoning for joining IFMA and over two years ago now. But I remember in 2019, uh, Facilities Fusion, back when things were in person, we're having a conference in Atlanta. And not only did I not know how I was gonna get to Atlanta, um, I didn't know how I was going to be able to attend the conference, but IFMA is just such a great organization with leaders like Christina Gonzalez and many others like Diane Levine, um, who in short extended, you know, a reaching hand and I was able to attend the conference. That conference that year consisted of a complimentary kind of like FM Ignite case competition for everyone who was there and wanted to participate. And it was interesting because the challenge was around what would facilities look like in the year 2040. And then we had three hours and we had to solve this case with four team members that we had never met before. So I think our team at that point was just three, me and two other ladies. And we were pretty much the blue team. We came up with our case, we solved our solution and we kind of turned in our USB drive for the judges. Three, um, the next day we returned back to the convention center and we presented. At the end of our presentation, we told the judges what we thought about facilities, you know, just how we thought that things would be transitioning more work from home. We'll see warehouses, airports, and jails remain large facilities, but other workplaces can become remote or possibly shared workspaces. You know, those transitions, and honestly, we've seen it happen through COVID in just the last few months, but that's what we predicted. And our judges heard us, we got our results, and we were the first place to win the team. So that was really the start to my case competition success within IFMA. Most recently, I was invited back as another case competition participant because I won a scholarship for 2020. And in the 2020 Ignite FM case competition was a little different. The case was about what would facilities look like in short, once there's a virus or antivirus that you know individuals or, or workers can take and return back to the workplace. But what would be different? And our team was strong as well. This time my team was consisted of four members, we had four hours given the online remote experience and we pretty much solved the case similar to how my original team did, except we use augmented reality. We utilize some of the tools that we talked about with human resources and innovation leave and just time around how do you collaborate, you know, in a different way, but still get some of that success that you got in person in a time when we can't necessarily be in person. The judges were very receptive. We got our feedback and another first place win. So. I think it's went really well for me in IFMA. 
Um, but I think thinking differently and being able to think quickly and on my feet in a team setting with people who I may not met has been really the key or the backbone of my success. Oh my goodness. There's so many things in there I want to unpack, but first of all, you're two for two with the <laughs> top awards. I think you're doing something right. So keep going, my friend. And, you know, I think a testimony to the fact that you could come together with people you haven't met in a short period of time and be a winner is a real testimony to not only your technical skills, but also your interpersonal skills, your emotional intelligence, your ability to influence others. Um, it really, I think you need the whole package to really be able to be successful, but I, I really applaud you, congratulate you for both of your successes in, in both of those projects. And, and if you want to find out more information, we'll put links to the, um, the IFMA articles that talk a little bit more about uh, DeMarcus's accomplishments and in the projects that he was uh, a participant in. So you can learn more about them because they really are very thought provoking. Certainly there were a lot of participants, a lot of entrants and to take the top award is, is really remarkable. So if you'd like to read more about his projects and the outcome of the future of, uh, of FM, then we'll, we'll provide the links for that. I'm really interested in some of the more progressive things and you've gravitated towards that with um, looking at shared services like uh, working from anywhere and uh, virtual reality. Oh, tell us a little bit more about what, what else are you working on now that is really exciting for you? Like what's the most exciting thing that you can think about in facilities management right now and for our future? Yes. I find myself working on it too, but I really find the ability to work in an augmented reality space. Um, they call it VRAR, the ability to have a technician be able to look through a lens, look at a problem and have a on-demand person kind of right there in his ear, see the problem. And even though he may not be skilled enough to solve it with the help of you know the call center, that technician can now go to work and be successful day in and day out, which I think is never seen before. And that's just thanks to the technology that's on the rise. I think um, augmented reality also helps with just onboarding and training because it allows you to be able to get the skill sets you needed and learn how to work safely from day one. And the virtual reality setting is almost a duplicity of what you would see in re reality. So I think it's really right on time. Lastly, you talked about how VR can pretty much set us up for the future. It's doing it, it's proving it. So now we just have to use it. Um, myself, I'm working on projects like how to build a virtual reality app using interior design so I could possibly help customers not only see what they've been recently shopping, but now intertwine it into one service app where they can now search, browse, shop, and almost order. So all they have to do is wait on the, the shipments to come in and pretty much decorate their home. So I'm just interested in how we can use it as entrepreneurs, but most importantly, how we can use it in the facilities management space to do our job better. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I'd be happy to share notes with you because uh, at BGIS, we've started experimenting with um, virtual reality and augmented reality as well for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you know, it was COVID, quite frankly, we weren't, we were very limited in our ability to have allow people into other facilities and um, there was very strict protocols. So we were able to allow some of our other more senior technicians come in and have a look in the eyes of one of our other employees, which was amazing. 
And then I think a couple of other collateral benefits that you've mentioned is just, um, you know, we have a, an imbalance in the demographics of the people in the workforce. There's a lot more really seasoned, experienced building operators that are just about to retire. There's a lot more gray hair in our profession than there is, uh, you know, dark hair or non-gray hair, let's say. So, you know, how do we actually cross-pollinate that? How do we make sure we don't create risk or a problem in our built environment? So if you can phone a friend and tell a presence in, um, you, can, you can start to groom and train that next wave of talent with the proper tools, which I, I find is really exciting and, and, you know, from a quality. And then the last thing I'll say is it's really helped us. We're, we really care about sustainability. And I know in our intro discussion, that is a real passion of yours as well, DeMarcus, around sustainability. And, and anytime you don't have to fly somewhere to deal with a problem or drive somewhere to deal with a problem, you can just deal with it in the moment. Not only are you getting better quality and efficiency, but you're doing a, a greater service for the planet. So I really encourage you. I don't think this solution is, is, um, is really, it's underexploited for sure, to your point. I really am quite excited about your future in this area. And I think it's really going to solve a wide spectrum of things that will make it much more effective. So I really congratulate you with that. Yeah, and I really love your point about keeping the knowledge in the workplace. A lot of times we lose that when you have senior personnel retire and leave the workforce, but they really knew that building in and out. And that technology yeah. helped us retain that. We had somebody, um, a technician, and he's wonderful, but he'd been at the same building. He knew everything. He knew literally it was amazing what he knew, but he was 74 and he was still working. And his wife had been retired for a few years and he loved to work. He loved what he did, which is what one of the reasons why he worked so long. But another reason was we just he just knew so much about the building. We needed like three or four people to kind of keep up with his knowledge, you know? So his... Um, you know, is due to his, his personal circumstances, his wife was like, hey, come on, it's time to retire. Like, I'm retired, I'm at home, let's spend, you know, we're 74 years old, let's, let's have some, in, let's enjoy our retirement. So we ended up putting him on this program where he was available on demand to be able to support the team. And if they got stuck, then they would just phone a friend and call Jim in and he would look in and he would give them some advice and then he would go back to doing whatever he was doing with his wife. But it allowed him to very quickly come in. So they managed the risk, gave him some life balance, but also gave him a bit of a transition plan so that he could be connected. And it was really quite a, quite a great story. And I'm sure there's more stories like that that'll come. I'd like to hear more about your advice. So for somebody that's interested in the field of FM, what, what advice would you have for them to learn a little bit more about it or just general, how to approach the profession? Do you have any advice? Yes, I do. I do get this question a lot from colleagues or even sometimes people on LinkedIn. My first piece of advice would be seek out industry credentials. I know a lot of times people don't think about it, but getting a degree can be a longer time commitment as far as an investment. But a lot of times these industry credentials you can earn on your time like the facility management professional, FMP, they have the SFP, and then you can grow to the CFM. And that's just within IFMA, but other organizations have these industry credentials as well. I would also say get involved if you do take the college route, right? Every college campus has a facility and 
that's the best place to learn right there where you're going to school every day, you're looking at the buildings around you, and how can you get involved with the day-to-day -day maintenance? And maybe if not on a hands-on level, on a 20,000 feet or maybe just 5,000 foot above level so you can really see what's going on in the organization and, and then you can make changes with what you're learning in school. That, that's amazing. I, I think that's fantastic. What, what do you think? You know, I'm just so in awe of your accomplishments for your age. And I think about, you know, what what most people have accomplished by the time they are, are your age. What do you think is the secret to your success? And, and you are successful. I know you're still early in your life and your career, but you are successful. What, what do you think is your secret to your success? Wow. Great question. I would say to anyone wanting to be successful in any niche that they seek after, never give up. I know a saying that may be cliche is to put in 10,000 hours, you know, of training in any sport or profession. But I really think I made facility management something that I'm passionate about to the point where I not only do readings, but I find magazines to invest my time in other than maybe watching TV. Or if I am watching TV, it's something around the built environment or um, Chip and Joanna, right? So really just making sure that you're using every opportunity to grow your skills and better yourself. That's what I've done. And it's gotten me to where I am under 30. So I would recommend that for anyone else looking to be successful at a young age. Don't let time pass you by. That's amazing. I think also just tiny steps forward add up, right? Like in, the, in a compound effect. So just take a step forward. I, you know, if you're somebody like me who I went to school for something different than where I am now, I, I made a mistake. And if you want to point your direction to another career path, the easiest way to do that is start by getting some certification in a field and build on it from there, just as DeMarcus explained. And it's going to take you forward. And even something as simple as a certification versus a university degree, which obviously has a different level of investment, just start with something. And the FM industry is really friendly for people that need to retread their career or their life like I did um, in, in a very accessible way. And it is a very exciting profession, especially um, when I think of uh, the profession at the hands of, of great leaders like you, DeMarcus. I'm really excited about the future of our career when I see people like you We've had such interesting discussions about sustainability and entrepreneurship, and uh, it crosses over in bo into both personal and professional uh, characteristics. And I think you emulate so many of those, but I'm really encouraged about the future of our profession when I see great leaders like you in it. If people want to connect with you, could you maybe uh, just tell them the best way to reach out to you? And, and, and in that as well, I'd love to hear any parting advice or any comments that you have. Definitely. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn at DeMarcus Means Senior. I'm on Instagram at DJ underscore two times two X underscore. And you can also find me at on Twitter, man on the move, uh, man underscore on a underscore move. So I'm on all social networks. Happy to connect and answer any questions that you might have about facility management or anything in general. And I can just really say, Lori, not only was it an honor to be on your podcast, but to be an African-American, to be a recent scholar in facility management at the number one public HBCU, Florida A&M, I would recommend anyone never to give up, never take no for an answer, and, and always just continue to try to give back once you make it. Don't just accept making it. Try to find ways to help the next generation get to where you are. And I think you're really doing a great job at doing that, Lord.
So. Oh, well, thank you, my friend. It, it's an honor to, to uh, know you. And uh, I really applaud your, your accomplishments and just keep going, my friend. You're, you're doing all the right things. Thank you so much for inspiring me and uh, other people in our profession just to continue forward. We'll make sure we put the links to people that want to connect with you in the, uh, below this podcast or on the vodcast. They'll be available so that they can reach out to you directly if, if they want to be inspired for, uh, if they would like to be inspired further. Thanks so much, Demarcus. Thank you. You've been listening to Leading Innovation at Work, the Future of Business podcast. Hey, if you have questions or comments about this episode, reach out to us via our website at www.leadinginnovationatwork.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit like and subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you tune in. You can find me, Lori Rowlandson, on LinkedIn or via my website at lorirowlandson.com. That's L-O-R-R-I-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S-O-N.com. Thank you for listening.